0: United Methodist Church, it is a joy uh, to gather in God's love today. If you would take a moment and fill out the pew pads, we would appreciate that. And if you're new like me, uh, take a second and fill out a connect card, which you will find on your announcement sheet that you received as you were coming in. You may have noticed a rosebud placed on the altar it is in honor of the birth of Mary Michael Sproul, so we celebrate her today. Also, please note there is a reception in my honor after, after the, uh, the worship service today in the Chestnut Street Lobby. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, send your love upon us this day. Fill us with that love to overflowing so that we might be renewed and we might overflow to a hurt and broken world. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please
1: stand and worship with us. Let me die of lightning, rolls of thunder. Und Wonder-
0: may be seated. And children, you're invited to go to Children's Church with Miss Catherine. As we prepare to receive our morning offering, I invite you to bow with me in prayer. Gracious God, willing to hear our needs than we are to lift them up to you and we have many needs today some that we're all praying for and some unspoken on our heart and I just pray God that your love would fill us and challenge us and hold us in those needs and bless those who are sick and hurting and grieving. Be with those who need your presence today, dear God, as you are with us in this place. We ask, God, that you forgive us our sins, that you strengthen us in our path of discipleship, and that you bless the gifts that we are about to receive. May you multiply them in their use so that many might know your love and your grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're in week three of a sermon series called Extraordinary. We have been looking at God's extraordinary presence with us in times like these, in times of transition, and God's extraordinary call upon our lives. Today, we pause to examine God's extraordinary love for each and every one of us. At a recent staff onboarding, I was asked, what is your favorite scripture? And I honestly had to say that it changes. I don't have one particular scripture that I could say is is my favorite. And it's not because I don't study scripture or I don't know scripture. It's just because the more I study scripture the more Scripture speaks to me in, in different ways, in different seasons, in different times. As I dig into God's Word, I've come to appreciate that with challenges in life, or with joys in life, or with many different situations, different Scriptures speak to me anew for those particular circumstances. Now that would be my answer now, but for many years... I would have said my favorite passage is 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Now, this passage, you may think, well, she likes that passage because it's all about love. And you'll hear that more as I read it in a second. But actually, why I appreciate this passage so much is because... These 14 verses, to me, encapsulates what the good news means. It speaks to God's grace which goes before us, God's saving grace, God's grace that transforms us. It tells us about how we're to love our brothers and sisters and how we can have boldness and not fear. And all of that is a succinct way of reminding me of how God works in our world and in our lives. And that's why I appreciate that scripture so much. And I want to share that with you today. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to First John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Hear the good news. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. The word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God, let us pray. God, thank you for your love that never fails us. And as we lean into that love today, God, I just pray that the word's Of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So today we're going to spend some time looking at where we fit in this scripture, this passage that I just read. How do we fit in God's love? How are we valued? Now, over the course of my life, I would have said there were many different ways that I have been valued. I was a good student, so I would have said my value comes from good grades and good test scores. And then when I got older, a teenager, I thought my value came from popularity or boyfriends. And then as I got older, I thought my value came from being the perfect daughter or the perfect mother or the perfect preacher. My value was from achievement. That's how I thought I was valued in the world. How do you feel valued in the world? Now, some would say values based on influence. How many social media followers do you have? Others would say value is based on accomplishment. Do you have a good job? Do you achieve a status at school? Have you gotten accolades in the community? Still, so others would say your value is based on how much you have in your bank account. How much money do you have? How, what do you own? You have the best, the newest, the latest, the biggest. Others might say your value, and I've thought this before, is how good you are. You're a good Christian if you do all these works, if you're holy, if you behave, if you give the most to the church, if you serve on all the committees, if you're here every time the doors are open, that's where your value is. There are so many different ways the world marks value. But the good news is God's love does not value us in such ways. We are loved by God no matter our status, no matter how the world might value us, no matter how we see ourselves in the mirror. Because Romans 8 affirms, and I believe this passage that we looked at earlier does as well, that there is nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. God loves you. Jesus loves you before you knew Jesus. And values you in the absence of any measures that I just shared. If you are popular or unpopular, if you have two followers or two million followers, if you are well-loved in your community or the, the town pariah, God loves you. And God loved you before you made a commitment to him. God loved you before you were aware of God. That's his love, and it is extraordinary. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It is a gift from God. It is grace. It is there for us to receive, and it is transformational. It is and was and will be. God values you. And that is what the scripture today reminds us of. John is writing to the early Christians, trying to teach them what it's like to live in community with one another. How they're to figure this out and not only live in community with one another, but also to live in a world that hates them and is persecuting them and wants to kill them. So John is, is helping them figure out how they fit in and how they should act in community this passage that I just read may be a little hard to absorb because of all the love language. We look at it first and go, God is love, 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 love. And we tend to think of it as sentimental dribble. But the message is much deeper than that. The message reminds us that God did love us before we knew God. And before that, God sinned. His son to deal with his, our sins. God sent His Son to make a way for us. And that's active love. That's a love that is available to all and reaches us no matter what. For First John 4:10 reminds us, this is love. It is not that we love God, but He loved us to send His Son to deal with our sins. This is similar wording to what we have in Romans 5, 6 through 8. While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. It isn't often that someone will die for a righteous person, though maybe someone might dare to die for a good person. But God shows his love for us because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is this extraordinary Because this is not how the world judges or the world loves. Most of the time, the world's love is conditional. But God first loved us. And it's important that we carry this message with us because the truth is, we're humans. We're broken. We will all fail. We will mess up. We will disappoint. We will sin. And it's important for us to remember on those days when we don't get it right that God loves us and God forgives us and that we can have a transformational relationship with God. I know many of you work in situations where you may have come to a circumstance where you felt unloved and unappreciated. Some of us have jobs where, by the nature of our job, especially if, if you deal with the public on a regular basis, you will encounter people who do not like you at all, who are haters. And it's not personal. It's just maybe the position or who you represent or the mood they're in or someone who wants to take out a circumstance on someone else. Those times can be really difficult, especially if someone is coming at you with all their anger. And in those times, I'm tempted to think, well, this person doesn't even know me. They don't know anything about me. They don't know my circumstances. They don't know how I feel. I might even agree with them. And why are they being so unkind and so hostile toward me? Again, I have to remember not to take it personal, but I'm thinking, this person doesn't know me and they're being unkind. But what gives me comfort in those circumstances is a God that knows me better than I know myself, who knows my faults, who knows my failures, who knows my sins, who knows my sins deeply, still loves me and still cares for me and still wants a relationship with me. Despite my failures and my shortcomings, God keeps on loving me through Jesus. The problem for me is, though, I can't dismiss the haters. Because as much as I want to hate back, I have to remember that God loves them too. Did you hear that word from John? How can we love a brother and sister that we see? And how can we not love a brother and sister that we see if, and say that we love a God we haven't seen? God's love is for all, even those that we have a hard time loving. And remembering that has helped me be a better Christian and helped me stay on track and helped me be the person that God has called me to be. At the conclusion of this passage, 1 John 4, 7-21, we read, We love because he first loved us. The commandment we have from him is this, Those who love God must love their brother and sister. This echoes back to what Jesus said, that we are to love our neighbor as self. Notice in this passage that John didn't put qualifiers on judgment, on who to love and how to love. He just says, how can you love a God whom you can't see when you do not love people that you see every day? This is a challenging question and it really makes me stop and think. As a pastor, I encourage people to look in the mirror and realize how much they're loved, how much they're valued, and how important they are. But it's also important that sometimes we look around and see the value of other people. We need to look at other people and realize Jesus loves them as well, not because they're perfect, but it's grace so that we can all be made perfect in love in this lifetime. Jesus commissioned his disciples to go make disciples of, of all nations, and we go because Jesus told us to go. But we go in love, and I, all, I hope all of you have a testimony of how that love impacts you and how you can share with, with others how that love is transformational, because it is. I pray that we all have a testimony about how that love has impacted us and how it can impact others. In experiencing the good news ourselves, we have an overflow that goes out into the world so that others might know the grace that we have known. We have the power in Jesus' love to go share about a God We have not seen to our neighbors. We see every day. God's love is extraordinary. So if you're facing challenges, if you're facing difficulties, if you feel less than, if you feel broken, if you feel the weight of sin in your life, just remember God loves you. But the story does not stop there. It continues. God loves you enough so that you don't have to keep it to yourself. There is enough to go around. God's love can be shared with others. That love is, is for all, including those who have not accepted that love yet. God loves them too. This is not for a particular few or a select few, but is expansive to all. God's love is not in limited supply. It's not like toilet paper in a pandemic. There is enough for everyone. Just remember that. God gave his only begotten son so that all who believe may not perish. We can rest in that love and we can share that love. God's love is extraordinary. Not just for us but for this community and our world. So we've not finished this journey through extraordinary. We've got three more weeks to go. And next week, we're going to look at how the love transforms us, how God doesn't save us to leave us the same, but how he invites us from death to life, from the end to new beginnings. Amen. Let us pray. God, I thank you for your sufficient love. I thank you for uh, your grace. And I thank you for Jesus. For those who need to hear that message today, I pray that they just rest in that and find peace and comfort in that message. And for those we encounter today, especially those we have a difficult time interacting with, may, may we see them as your beloved children too. May we know your sufficient grace and may we share that love and grace with all that we encounter in christ's name we pray amen To. Mm-hmm. if you feel Jesus working in your life and whether that be a call to baptism or professing Jesus as your Lord and Savior or a church membership at First United Methodist Church or if you just have a prayer request and need somebody to pray with you know that I'm available after the service and I would love to spend time talking with you and and praying with you and now go forth from this place.